Stardate 0603.2021. Welcome back to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Star Trek. Mm. Mm. My name is Mike Garcia. I am your reluctant captain. With me on the view screen is Grant Davis. Hello. Hello, Grant. Hi. We are. We're a little light tonight. It's just you and me. I, th- I think, though, uh, I think we can hold it. I think we can do it. Our our other two regular guests, uh, co or not guests, but co-host, Mariah Gossett and Clyde Haynes, are busy kicking some Nausicaan ass, I believe. Is that what they're doing? That's what they're doing tonight. I think they're just like both experiencing some Q hallucinations. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, so they won't be here tonight. Actually, I'll take that back. Clyde might jump into the stream in a little bit. So okay. if we're lucky. Cool. So that'll be cool. But tonight we're streaming the pod live on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.startrekpod.co, if you're listening to the audio version and if you're watching this live. And we are continuing our Q Explain series. That's such, right. Such a YouTube thing. Explained. Theory. Yeah. We're doing breakdowns and breakdowns. Discussion. Yeah. Uh, we're doing a retro review of another TNG Q episode, and this is a good one. We're going to be covering episode 15 of season six of TNG Tapestry. I gotta say, man, I heard a lot. All right. We built it up too much. I know we did. I I heard a lot about Tapestry before having watched this. What did I tell you today when we were slacking? What did I tell you? You want me to like read it verbatim what you said? Uh, well, what was the gist of it, man? The gist of it is not as great as I remember, but this is a great Picard app. That's the gist of what you said. That's not what I said. You're interested I said this, in getting my take is also what you said. I said this wasn't the the great Picard app that I talked to you about. The one oh. I talked to you about was the Inner Light. Um, this one's very good, but it's not like as good as that one. In my opinion, other people have different opinions. Was Was the hype about this one... That it is not a great TNG episode necessarily, so much as it is a great um, embodiment of Picard. Yes, who he is. Yes, that's what the argument was. Oh, you guys got you have to see Tapestry because that one mm-hmm. really it's it's gets very much who he is. We never really get a Picard origin story. This is as close as we come to an origin story for the Picard that we know, who mm-hmm. captained the Enterprise. Um, so yeah, this is the one where Q really tries to convince Picard he's God. And Picard goes on a remixed It's a Wonderful Life journey and gets his ass handed to him by a Nausicaan metal band. It did so seem very Dickensian. <laughs> very much. It's a Wonderful Life, Dickens, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, if you're watching this live on YouTube, please jump into the live chat. Give us your questions and your comments. Type capital P-O-D, pod, in front of your question or comment so we could see it. And this is going to be a loose hang, if that is an what, obvious. What, what is a loose hang? How do you define a loose hang? Uh, if the podcast sucks, it's a loose hang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that, is that what that, that's is? all? That's all it is. Yeah. No. Well, we, we loo- will determine at the end of the episode then if it's a loose hang or if you this see, is a solid like, no, episode. No. I, I, I want everybody to lower their expectations <laughs> right at the beginning. That way, you know, at the end, they're going to be like, you know what? That wasn't so bad. That was a good loose hang. So that's what loose hang means. Uh, that, that's my code. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, um, let's jump into it, man. I want a hot freak on this 28-year-old episode of television. So we're going to do... All right. I'm going to go first. You should go first. I should go I, first. I think that'll be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, this is a really great Q episode. I think uh, Q is used really well here because basically this is a really well-told story. I think it's very lean, and it tells its story very clearly and very in a very entertaining way. But when I, I hadn't seen this since like 98 or the early 2000s, this came out in 93. It was written by Ron Moore, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. The Ron Moore. Ron Moore, BSG Ron Moore. And, Did Ron? Uh, oh, wait. What's the name of the guy who? Oh, Gene Roddenberry. They're two different people. Okay. Oh, Ron my Moore God. BSG. Okay. Yeah. Ron Moore has his sexy long hair. Gene Roddenberry just, has. I'm just going to take a no sip of my beer. Yeah. For those just joining us, Grant is a uh, my mouth. <laughs> Grant is a Star Trek newbie. Uh, yes. Seen a lot of Discovery, seen all of Picard, seen all the new stuff, but is is relatively new to TNG and and the the classic stuff. Yes, uh, I'm a fan from uh, from my my teenage years, and when I first saw this as a teenager, I was like, "Fuck, this episode rules!" Like it blew my mind. It was it felt so deep. You know, and so profound. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that it was an outlier for TNG. And, you know, I, I like those outlier episodes. Like, I like mm-hmm. the Nikki and Paolo episode of Lost. Like, no, I like it don't. when sh- Come on. I do. You I like do it when like Ralph Boner. So, <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> I like it when, uh, when shows take a detour because that often means that they are a writer or the writer's room or someone involved in the show. Um, has a profound interest in telling a specific story that doesn't really relate to the overall season. And uh, I like that. I like that Auteur theory of TV and film mm-hmm. when there is an original voice who really wants to say something. And that's sort of a bottle episode, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what we got in this episode. Sorry if I'm a little out of breath. I was, I told Grant, I was running around the house chasing my parakeet because he wouldn't get back in his cage. Um, but yeah, also I'm excited to talk about this episode. Loose hang. Loose hang. <laughs> uh, so when I watched this again, hadn't seen it in over a decade. I watched it again on Tuesday. I watched it with uh, our patron group on Slack. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. I had a great time watching it with them, but I was like, you know what? This story seems a lot more straightforward and simple and not as deep as I remember. It wasn't as profound, but it was still impactful to me. Well, to like, an eight-year-old. This is <laughs> exactly. But now, I- I'll tell you the part of me that I found impactful. The the theme of, I think the theme of it is taking risks in life can result in pain, but also reward. So I think that resonates with me really strongly now, more than it did back then, because I was a little dummy. Um I like watching Riker treat Blue Shirt Picard like a little flunky. That was super fun. Uh, the Nausicaan metal band is always good for a laugh. <laughs> but this is a really good episode of Star Trek. But it just it just struck me how like straightforward and simple 
the story was because I remember this being so profound and that's not a knock on it. I still think it's great and super entertaining. And the dynamic between Q and Picard throughout all the entire episode is so fun and potent. And I think this was a great use of Q because it plays, it plays into your theory, Grant, or the idea that you have that Q is very uniquely interested in Picard. Oh and yeah. Maybe, he's, in, he's in love with him. And maybe he's like preparing him for something to come, something that we might see in the Picard series. Like some of this stuff he does with Picard over the series culminates in the series finale of TNG. But I think there there might be more to it. Um, so yeah, it, it's really good. Not as great as I remember. That's my my lukewarm freak. Oh man, you know what? You should have played the the full musical intro that you have because it has. Is there a John Luck Pickard here? That's yeah. It's the one I played during the Picard. Yeah, show. <laughs> All right, uh, let's okay. let's get your your hot freak. My hot freak. Um, you know what? I I thought this is a fun episode. I think that there's a lot of um a lot of familiarity in this episode. I I, I see this type of story play out in a lot of other shows as well. And given that this was back in '93, I mean, yes, we've already pointed out this is Dickensian. It is um very much uh, a, a reflection of some much older stories as well. But I think that a lot of modern shows do, do examine this with a little bit more um, nuance and a little bit more uh, uh, flair, a little more gravitas perhaps as well. Um, that, that said, it's, it's comfort watching something like this where you kind of know where they're going. Um, there, there's some interesting elements I thought that they were examining as far as the idea of um, how, how it, how everything has the butterfly effect of if you change one little thing about your past um, that splinters forward, it's unrealistic that you'd still end up on the, the enterprise and that freaks and everyone else would still have their same positions. But that's me going a little bit too much. Like, come on, come on. No, if he changed his path that much, um, none of them would be on the same ship together. Like that's that all of it has a trickle effect. I think <coughs> um, that said, uh, you know, piggybacking on what you were kind of taking from it. I, I think there's something really interesting going on with this idea of regret and um, how, Picard kind of lives in this world of, of regret as he gets older. And maybe this is something like you're saying, we're going to see examined a bit more in the Picard season two um, of the show, but regret you, you can dwell on that, but the person you are today is a product of all the actions you took in the past. And um, you shouldn't necessarily knock that, especially if, you are an immortal alien being who's in love with Picard and loves <laughs> the exact person that he is. Maybe Picard shouldn't be so down on himself for these choices he made. Maybe it gained him a secret admirer. Uh, it, it's fun. Yeah. The relationship between him and Q is fantastic. Um, there's a lot of great comedic beats in this, but at the, at the same time, some elements of it are a little bit slow. They're a little bit predictable. And um, the pacing seems, yeah, it, 
they could have packed a lot more into this episode and right, still yeah. had it really fascinating. Mo- I think modern shows would have really capitalized on this amount of time that this show really just kind of is, is slow rolling through this, this plot. And like, if they had something else kind of deeper to kind of examine with it, okay, I get it. But otherwise it's a little slow. It's fun though. Fun episode. Yeah. That's my weird hot break. <laughs> well, I, I knew part of your hot break was going to be, Oh, this is slow. And that's, I'm struggling whether or not that's a fair criticism because this was a show that aired in syndication in the late eighties, mid nineties, and we're used to a much faster pace type of TV, right? Yes. So I'm like, part of me is like, shut up, Grant. But part of me <laughs> is like, but part of me, like watching this episode, even though it tells its story very economically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. I like economic storytelling. But yeah, there are spaces there where they could have gone a lot deeper uh, and made this a little more profound. I think kind of what makes up for that is that hard cut to Picard's new existence in the blue shirt because you don't really expect it. At least I didn't when I first watched it. Right. And it's, it's such a, it's such a shock and such a juxtaposition to see him in that role. And that, that's the whole thing like Q was doing. He was kind of setting him up. He's like, I will not change anything. What Q is essentially saying is if you decide to change things though, Picard, that does have ramifications for how the future plays out. I'm not going to change any of the elements aside from dropping you right back in the past and then whispering in your ear. Yeah. Um, So it's a future of Picard's own making. And it's, you know, that that kind of template could be a lot of fun to play with to see all the different variations of where he could end up with little decisions here and there. Okay, well, fine. Just leave then. Just leave. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and take over here. It's just going to be me. Mike left. Uh, I, I'm going to read some uh, hot freaks from some of you guys because I don't know why Mike abandoned me, but uh, Chupi gave us a hot freak here. She says, good story. One of the least tedious. Oh, there you are. Hello. Sorry, I got dropped. I'm reading some hot freaks from our listeners since All you right. abandoned me. Live show. Uh, okay. There we go. Good story. One of the least tedious QEPs. I am skeptical that Picard must enjoy uh, enjoying this fight to become the captain he is. Without it, apparently he turns into milk toast. My one doubt. I want to. I want to comment on that. You know, you watched the first couple of Q episodes with us over the past month, and when Q first shows up in TNG, he's like, "Oh, you humans are so fucking savage. Look at your history. All you do is war and fight and murder and kill." And the Star Trek that we see, especially in TNG, is like this evolved um infinite diversity and infinite combination you know type of uh progressive and more uh i guess yeah more progressive society right we're not right the currency is knowledge and exploration and it's no longer conquering and war um and i think what q does here in taking picard back to a time when he was more full of piss and vinegar uh, and how there was value in that for him. And it put him where he's supposed to be. And, and it gave him the life he wanted. According to this episode, he's, he's kind of telling him Picard, you know, you always come off as this kind of closed off um, holier than thou kind of a uh, progressive stoic leader. 
and you're always giving me shit for being such a, a crazy motherfucker. There's value in being a little hot headed, and you forgot about that. That's interesting. I mean, I, I was taking from it that Q was almost, I mean, it, it feels like Q is just constantly giving like uh, radical therapy to Picard. <laughs> but in this episode in particular, it seemed like um, there was opportunity uh, capitalizing on a um, potentially mortal wound that Picard um, uh, is, is dealt early on in the episode. His chest is all burnt up and fried and he's teetering on the edge of death. So Q kind of jumping in at this opportunity and going, Hey, you know what? Let's take a look at, uh, let's have you reflect a little bit on your past. Is there anything you uh, regret? Uh, Anything you wish you could kind of take back? And then he's like, uh, Oh, there's a thought that you just came up with. Let's go and examine that one. Mm. Um, because he's, I think like, like, do you think Picard, had like a, a race dance moment. Like nobody think of anything. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. I, we used I, to I roast marshmallows of... at Camp Wakanda. Yeah. It does feel like that a bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that Q wants to make Picard confront his regrets and not feel that same way. Like yeah. Picard, you need like, just like in the last episode where we or the one in season two, where it was like, you need to be someone who's strong enough to know when you're not strong enough to handle something like the Borg, right? Mm-hmm. The Borg are coming. You need to recognize your limitations, but you also need to be prepared in the future here. He's saying you need to be a person who operates with the confidence of knowing that even the regrets you have in your past are what made you the person that you are today and the person that we need today. We don't want you dwelling too much on that regret because we need you to be the Picard you are for whatever Q's end game is that they totally were not planning (laughs) perhaps when they made this, but um, now they have the opportunity to kind of retcon some of these plot points to make it be like, he was grooming Picard to be this ultimate, uh, person for whatever test is going to go on in season two, man. I'm, this is just me hoping and speculating though. You know, s- some of this, now that I think about the finale of TNG, some of these tests or lessons or, or crazy um, trials that Q puts Picard through. Some of this does actually um, play into the finale of TNG, which we're going to watch in two weeks. Oh, are we? But, okay. I was gonna yeah, say but not, yeah. But not all of it, not all of it. Um, so I think there's more left in terms of Q's appearances here that will definitely feed in to some kind of um, some kind of end game that we're going to see in Picard or some kind of um, catharsis. Do you want to hit a couple more of these little hot breaks from people? Yeah, I, I do want to mention though. I think okay. Q um, Q specifically tells Picard at the end that having his youthful brush with death made him like such a different man who didn't take risks, you know, like, like not, not, not having that brush with death would have made him somebody who didn't take risk. And I think a lot of people might see the message on the surface of like, Oh, so he, he wasn't a brawler in his youth. So he decided to be responsible. So he ends up having a boring life and he hates it. And he would rather die. Like he literally says, I would rather die than be that fucking flunky uh, in the blue shirt. But 
I think the larger point is that that's just not who he was supposed to be. It wasn't his, um, his destiny, his path, and it wasn't his, um, uh, it's not, wasn't his ambition. Well, it's and, also kind of an unfair comparison though, right? Yes. Because he had already lived the life right. of someone who takes risk and is an overachiever and ended up where he ended up. So he lost all that. He was also deal. Picard was also dealing with, with the loss, with grieving that loss and being stuck in a reality that he did not make. So I think it's less about, you know, you gotta, you gotta be a brash piss and vinegar, young Starfleet Academy graduate when you're young or else you'll end up being a nobody. Yeah, it's easy to to think that like, oh, the life of the the blue shirt Picard was a miserable one. But no, the life of the blue shirt Picard is only seen through the lens of Captain Picard, who does not want to be in that other position in that other life. Yeah, the other guy, the other Picard could have loved it. He could have been completely self-satisfied with the role that he had and and the work that he put forward. Um, who knows? He, I mean, he probably could have been even, uh, more happy in his life than captain Picard is, but we Mm -hmm. have captain Picard jumping into this body and going, nah, not for me. So, so that's why it's a little bit unfair. Um, you know, you, you jump into someone else's life and you're going to compare it to your own versus, you know, being self-actualized and happy in the the place that you are in life. Mm -hmm. Um, also, Marge has a good point here. It might be that Picard survived death. And yeah, this is a Picard. The Picard who went through this stabbing and this trauma is a Picard who realized in a brutal way that life is finite, right? Life is precious. Life is finite. So reach for your goals. Take those risks. Face mortality. And uh, yeah, it was a little bit more, a little bit more, uh, yeah, risky. Yeah, risky. Hey, I see um, Clyde's in the chat. I'm going to see if he wants to drop in. <laughs> yeah, Clyde, get in here. Um, Dr. BNNC says, this is such a great queue up and seeing Picard's dad berate him really brought up some family issues. Um, yes, and not only that, but I want to bring up the casting because the casting of not only his dad, but the young Picard, those both looked great. Um, I thought the young Picard in this episode looked much better than Tom Hardy in whatever movie that was where Tom Hardy plays a young him. Nemesis, yeah. Nemesis, yeah. This this actor, I was like, dude, you look like a young Picard with hair. Yeah, that's great. What did you think about the decision to have Patrick Stewart play the role as a younger Picard? Instead of, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I like there's a total like quantum leap moment where he looks in the mirror and he's like, it's still me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <coughs> um, I liked it. Uh, I mean, I thought it was fitting that we should have him walking through that. It, it's it's more efficient. You still keep Patrick Stewart instead of trying to either use a bunch of wacky makeup or just have some actor that we don't have the same connection to. So it was a good call. I think it was a really good call because it it puts us where we should be in Picard's headspace, right? This is somebody, mm-hmm. this is a Picard who's uh, a lot more mature and experienced and uh, level-headed who is trapped in, uh, in a young man's world. So the, the fact that he's acting so differently from his other 
his buddy who wants to rig dumb jot tables and cheat and fight Nausikins, right. you know, that that's a really big contrast. And I think uh, that the fact that Stewart played this um, the way he did and they used him instead of a younger actor, I think that really underlines that point. I think his um, relationship with the um, Marta, Marta uh, also there's this kind of uh, May, December um, mm-hmm. age gap thing that makes it, uh, have another kind of uh, of different level because you're going. Oh wait, we have to remember he's a young guy, but the, there's also the operation of like this older Picard who's kind of um, facing this this lost opportunity with someone that he did care about, and him saying like, "What what if I had explored uh, taking my shot there, and it didn't work out well for him?" And it was kind of I liked actually quite a bit the fact that. Um, they have this connection and she ultimately reflects on it and is like, nah, that's, mm-hmm. that's not what I want. And I wonder if it was the young Picard making that move, if she would have been like, oh yeah, awesome. But if it's, but since it's this older Picard who has this other, he's, he's coming from a whole other place in life, right? Um, his connection with her is probably not the same one she was seeking at that time. She was interested in the younger Picard who would have uh, fought the Nausicans. It is interesting because she said she had been interested in him and kind of liked him as more than a friend, but she wasn't really like that passion didn't really get a hold of her until this new older wiser Picard showed up and he was ready to take that chance with her. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, she. they're all at a point in their career where they're all going to move on and go on to different assignments and different ships and start their lives as career Starfleet um, right. officers, right? So, yeah, she maybe... Delayed anyway, right? Yeah. So maybe it's, you know, she made the right call. She's like, just, we shouldn't have done this. This is not going to work out. It's kind of ruined our friendship and I got to leave now. I'm not ready for something serious. I will be, you know, maybe in 10, 15, 20 years ready for something serious with somebody like you but not right now. And uh, if, like you're saying, if this was the young brash Picard, it might've been a fun fling and that's all it would have been. You know, this is a, this is a small gripe, but I feel like, okay, this is also an uninformed gripe. This is a small and uninformed gripe. I'm going to give here. Uh, I feel like my understanding of who this Jean-Luc Picard guy is, is that he's clever and cunning and does know how to um, employ uh, creative uh, diplomacy in, in achieving his goals with people. So the fact that he can't seem to convince his friend not to rig the game and do it without just really lame, weak reasoning, uh, that didn't fit for me. That didn't jive. I feel like, oh, if if this was my friend and I also have years of experience in knowing how to um, talk to both peers and subordinates and do it from a, a position of, of authority and leadership, then I could convince him not to cheat on that game. That's a really good point. And I do feel like Picard is kind of like dumbed down a little bit in this episode because, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Like he would have he would have come at that with with a lot more nuance and made a more convincing argument than being like your fourth grade teacher condescending to you which is yeah. pretty much what he sounded like or a th- just straight up authority of mm-hmm. 
no, we're better than that. Don't be an immature little prick. And just the card's like, a just, cop, man. Just fucking shame him. Remember when that girl uh, poured coffee on him and he just berated the fuck out of her? <laughs> and yet his, his best friend is like going to rig a game. And he's like, hey, I don't know if we should do that. And he's just acting like a, a nagging mom. I'm like, no, Picard, no. You know, not just that, you know, the lesson he learns at the end of this whole thing. I feel like the Picard that we know is smarter and deeper and way more clever and way more introspective that he would have already known this lesson. He right, wouldn't right. have, yeah, have to have been taught it, but like maybe that's just nitpicking because there, this wasn't necessarily a, a show that it was ultra serialized in terms of its character growth. You know, like it wasn't right. like reset at every episode, especially in the sixth season. It was a little more serialized, but and I, I feel like I can exploring, forgive. Yeah, I, I feel like you know, as we get older, exploring regrets in our past is very universal even if you're Picard and you have been a little bit more thoughtful and reflective on your past than perhaps a lot of people. Um, even you are going to have some kind of uh, lapses in confidence and you need a, a, a great gazoo cue sidekick to kind of pop in there and uh, kick you in the rear and be like, Hey, no regrets. You know, <laughs> uh, Marge just reminded me in the chat of the most memeable moment in this episode JL and Q sharing a bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was a very uh, amusing scene. Um, I was watching this with my kids and all of a sudden it was like the it, it cut from the kissing scene to the clothes on the ground. And I was all like, uh, I might need to fast forward here. I'm not really sure what this show shows. <laughs> and started uh, checking. And then I was like, oh, it's those two guys in there. And this is a funny moment. OK, never mind. Um, yeah, it was good stuff. Chupi uh, has a hot freak. Um, yes. Good story. No, no, one we, of the least... we got that one. That was the first was one. Was this her earlier one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, yeah, this, is, is, the, the this is the next one from Kern. There says, we go. Uh, I guess the lesson in Tapestry is that every great crap, uh, <laughs> great captain is reckless when they're young and mature over time. I wonder if Star Trek 2009 borrowed from the bar scene for Kirk. Which, yeah, it, Picard, young Picard, definitely seems like who Captain Kirk is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, he's, he's even a, using the, the double fist as he's fighting. He seems brash and just a little bit more cocky about everything. Um, and it, it seems like they were trying to um, mirror who Captain Kirk is and why he's so effective with saying, actually, Picard came from that same area, but mm -hmm. he matured and took a different path and a different route to how he kind of interacts. With people. I think those parallels between this younger Picard and and Kirk are very clear and intentional. I mean, it's down to the costuming, right? Mm -hmm. Like down to the the uniform, the the maroon uniform that you can unflap, like Kirk did all the time. Right. It's it's there. Yeah, he was much more Kirk, and it was almost like Ronald Moore was like, Let, "Let's do an episode where Picard is Kirk." <laughs> what would that look like? It, it's kind of cool. It was, it was neat seeing this other side of him, and I I think it does kind of track. Because the Picard that I'm used to is still a little bit of an, an arrogant, self-righteous prick, but maybe he's just a little less um, eager to use his body to fight to get his way. Uh, <laughs> because he's 100 years old and maybe now a robot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, P.W. Gregory, Pod mm -hmm. or HF is... Hot I'm not freak. sure what that means. Hot HF freak. Oh, is yeah. Hot Freak. 
I have a feeling that the episodes of Picard with Q in them will take a lot from this episode of TNG, especially Q's more sober personality. Q was um, having a good time and being up to trickster self in this and mm. being extremely sarcastic. But I did find that at the beginning of the episode, like the um, the cold open, he was a lot uh, more sober. And as the show goes on, especially in the finale, you do find Q um, mixing in his sarcastic personality with a lot more like threatening and sober um, uh, lines and, and delivery. Right. And a lot of that starts here, too. It. It felt almost like there's um, a desperation from Q. Like he's like, I there, there's a ticking clock, and I need to impart wisdom on you. You need to get this through your head that you, you need to be the certain person that we need you to be. Us in the Q continuum, we need you to be a certain person. I mean, is it fair for me to be a skeptical of this idea that Q is actually uh, an outcast from his own people? So it feels almost more like that's a line he tried to say to endear himself or or maybe uh, set himself apart as as an antagonist to Picard in that other episode. I think that's really fair for you to pick up on. But it's it's like literal text that he is an outcast. Like we do see episodes where other Q show up and they kick him out because he, you know, goes around and does his tricks in the universe a little too much. Um, I also, uh, I, I've just been scrolling through the comments here, trying to play catch up. And I just want to say um, uh, exactly what I said. Yes, Grant. Um, just everyone is agreeing with me. That's a good point, Grant. Um, <laughs> I'm just, uh, thank you. <laughs> I don't even know what point that was. That was a while ago. But uh, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. I do, make, I do make good points sometimes. I mean, I'm glad I'm not alone. That's what I'll say. I agree, Grant. Um, so, the uh, what? What is this game? Is is this Dot Zhang a, a, a common game? You know, and I was. What was up with that bar? Like, I was looking for. I was trying to see if they had that water pool from Star Trek Five. Yeah, right. It, it felt. Um, it felt like a, a bowling alley slash roller disco that I used to go to in the in the mid nineties. Hey, look, um, I. Chupi gave me one, one prop. Oh, sweet. Interesting yeah. point, Mike. <laughs> um, what I thought was odd is that they kept going back to this bar that is like definitely not a Federation bar or a, uh, a Starfleet bar. And it's definitely like full of these like scoundrels and toughs. But it's like, oh, 7 a.m. Got to get my coffee. Let me go to that scuzzy bar. Right. It's like they go have breakfast there. <laughs> I, I was a little unclear on where what their location was because it seemed like they were at a um, a way station of sorts before they get their assignment to go on a ship, which would seem like they're at like some sort of Starfleet headquarters, but not they're, really because they're at some place where a bunch of uh, Nausicaan uh, riffraff well, is there to kind of uh, start fights with them. Well, they're they're at a space station, and the thing about space stations is that well, like in DS Nine. The space there's like restaurants and bars all over the space station, and they're run by lots of different uh, aliens mm -hmm. and that aren't human or aren't even part of the Federation. So I think this was a space station, but this was, uh, you know, some kind of civilian bar. 
so ultimately, if if we're using this series of us taking a look at all these uh, Q episodes to kind of um, train us for what we might anticipate with Picard season two. Now, having rewatched this for you and me watch this for the first time, um, what are you thinking we can glean from this for what we can anticipate? I really think that the idea that Q is preparing Picard for something that he needs, that Q needs, is is going to culminate in Picard season two. I think a lot of these tests and visits and journeys that he takes Picard on throughout TNG are all just like preparation for something that Q needs or wants. And I don't trust Q at all. So I think his motivations are very um, uh, selfish. Um, but I also think that the best Q episodes involve magical time travel and magical um, space travel. And what I mean is like in that Borg episode we saw the other day, Rick Hughes snaps them into the Delta Quadrant, like right. 20 years off the map, someplace they couldn't go themselves. And in this episode where Q um, throws them back in time. And then the finale, which we're going to watch again, where Q has Picard zipping to like three different time periods. I think that kind of unexpected space and time travel is going to come into play with Q in Picard season two. And I think uh, one of the reasons that they are bringing Q back is so they can do that. They can maybe do some Guantanam Leap adventures with, with Picard and Jurati and his whole crew. And a way to do that is by introducing Q, who can magically do that. There was an interesting scene in Tapestry where Q starts playing the voices and screams of all the people. Right? Yes, on. Mike Moody Garcia. <laughs> uh, that Picard had a hand in their deaths. Yeah. And this was. Um, heavy-handed and it, was, it seems extremely dickish uh, to really kind of try and torture him with like, oh, if, if you're going to live in regret, how much do you regret all of this shit that's going on here? Um, and uh, all of the, the lives that you had a hand in these people dying, dude. Um, and that makes me that like, if ultimately this episode was Q trying to get Picard to be comfortable with, with um, the choices he made and um, accept that even if there were some bad choices along the way, the person you are in the place you're at is a result of all the good and all the bad. And you need to, you need to embrace that for what it is. Um, that, 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 I guess that makes me kind of wonder about a lesson lost, I guess, by Picard in that little teaser where it does seem like Picard's once again reflecting on the past, being nostalgic and a little bit uh, melancholy about it. And is he once again falling into the trap of, of regret? Uh, uh, Are you talking about the uh, end of this episode? I'm talking about season two, the season two trailer for. Right, right. Because at the end, okay, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. 
because it also seems like Picard has not learned this lesson. Like, like in this episode, it seems like Picard should have known these lessons already based on the person. We, hey, Clyde's here. Hello. Hello. But hey, Clyde. Yes. Do you think Picard should have like already known this lesson that Q tries to teach him in tapestry? No. Come on. And I've been listening the entire time. No, he's a little I, smarter I, than that. Yeah. But I think that what this, what this episode really kind of spoke to me was that we have these regrets, right? And we think that, man, if I could just go back and if I could do this, if I could date that girl, take that job, you know, engage that bully, things would have been different. And what we don't always understand is that these choices, even these small choices have made a big impact. And so I, I think it's a lesson that we all struggle with. Right. We all have this revisionist history where we look back and like, man, I should have went left when I should right went right. And Picard is in a situation where like he's dead. Right. And he's looking and going, I'm, I, I died. And Q sets him up because he says, well, why are you dead? Well, you're dead because you have this artificial heart. If you had a real heart. So in that moment, he's being told, man, if you had a real heart, you wouldn't you wouldn't be dead. Right. Like at that point. Q has given him the regret and he's going, okay, well, I want to live. Who doesn't want to live? And so I'm going to go back and change it. And he doesn't understand it is that moment, which I think is, is really pivotal because if, if any of you have had a, I don't call it a near death experience, but it's like, you got away from doing something stupid, right? Like you did something that you kind of realized you shouldn't have done. And then you, you made it through whatever it was and then you start to go okay and it humbles you a little bit it matures you a little bit but gives you a sense of how to you know go up to the line that's what that moment did to Picard and more so than that he was standing up for a buddy right and so when you think about him standing up for a buddy think about how many times Picard the Picard we know has stood up for his crew Right. Has has said, no, we won't do that. Like, I'm I'm not going to sacrifice my crew. That moment really personified who Picard was going to be to 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 become, because what he did was he said, I stood up to the Nausicaan. I got stabbed and I lived to tell about it. Right. So he had confidence in his ability to stand up. So, no, I don't I think this was a lesson that he did not he did not have. I think it's a lesson that we all struggled to have. That is okay. That's an, an excellent, excellent point. point. I think uh, I, I do like the end of this episode where Picard is like, it's well Riker he's talking to, right? Yeah, he's talking to Riker and Riker's like, I wish I could have known this uh, Captain Kirk-esque version of Picard. Picard's like, oh yeah, man. I kick so much Nausicaan ass. Let me tell you about that. Like he has all these stories where he like, fought all these Nausicans. He's like, yeah, that right. wasn't he, the he only time. Kind of reflect a little bit more with, with pride instead of, of mm-hmm. shame, I guess. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, and man, I, Clyde, I think that point about the regret was kind of put upon him by Q. It was a trick that Q plays on him to, to lead him down that path of, Oh, why, you have that, that heart. Now I'm going to make you regret that. And then use that to um, put you down a path. Uh, that's an excellent point. Um, and that is 
<laughs> that is what I overlooked because I was thinking, no, he he clearly was um, he was reflecting on this past pain previously, but I guess that's not the case. Um, this this was this is part of of Q's manipulation for mm-hmm. what end game? I'm not really sure. Yeah, and, and his end game has to be a selfish one, right? It's not. I mean, sure, he is fascinated by Picard, and I'm not sure if he's in love with him, but he's fascinated by him. And so, but he's not trying to help Picard for Picard's sake, right? I don't get that vibe. I don't know. No, I, I'm I'm with you, Mike. I, so I see it both ways. I don't think he was helping Picard for Picard's sake. I think, by and large, that was entertainment, right? Like, Q had to know that that was going to play out, right? Like, think about it. We've all seen It's a Wonderful Life, right? It's the same story. Right. Oh, if I could have done this, you go back and you realize how terrible everything is. And then what's the one thing that you ask for? You ask, I, I, you know, I wanted to to go back the way it was. So on one hand, it's like Q is bored. Let me get a real life version of It's a Wonderful Life. I do get the satisfaction of at some point in for him in, in order for Picard to undo all the things that he just did. He's going to have to call out and ask me for help. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Which we know Q loves. He loves being mm-hmm. asked for help. Um, and so he Q gets that. That being said, I, I'd like to see if we see a different Picard from this moment going forward. Right. One who is a little less regretful, uh, like to Grant's point, who has a little less shame a in looser. his background, a little looser and going, yeah, man. You know what? I smashed many girls. I killed many Nausicans. I was a pimp. It was great. And then I grew up. Right? Brush your shoulders off. You know? Um, yeah. And uh, and Chupi reminds us that, well, Q is a dick. So I mean, his I, motivations are... And so sus. He is always yeah. sus. I don't think, though, that he's a trickster for being a trickster's sake. I mean, Q is a... T- to some extent, he's a surrogate for the writers wanting to import a, um, uh, impart a, a moral for the story for each week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's a, a, a plot device of a he's character a device. that allows them to have Picard learn a lesson. So it's, it's not simply a trickster. Q's end goal in at least the three episodes I've seen is that he's making Picard learn something each time. Um, but he's also and, rubbing his nose in his own shit and enjoying well, that. Well, I I don't know enough about Picard to know if this is necessarily true, but my impression is that the type of personality that Q is exhibiting is the type of personality that Picard is not only going to brush against, but um, ultimately take harder and yet more earned lessons from as a result of it. Because he's a little bit more um, uh, rude and and shitty to him, Picard has to to fight him, and then it, it makes it all the more um, bitter that he has to learn these lessons, and they they sink in deeper. Then you know, there's something about a friend telling you something, so, some good advice, versus someone that you don't like telling you that advice, and how much when you realize it's true, you take it to heart. Right. Um, your friend would be like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that sounds right. But when it's someone you don't like and then you have to admit that they were right, that sinks in. That that sticks with you. 
the pain stays. Uh, here's a fun question from Marge. Do you think Q actually oversees the afterlife? Was Picard <laughs> actually in danger of dying, or did Q take advantage of the situation to mess with him? I would think the latter. And maybe not just to mess with him. There was more there, but I don't think Q oversees the afterlife. But where's Q interacting with him? In in the the conscious plane? Is this um, some sort of Professor X dreamscape here? Well, I mean, seeing as Q can create entire dimensions uh, that look like 20 years ago and and then the new reality of the present right. can be anything or anywhere. Yeah. You know, a- another interesting thing that we saw in this episode that you are already pointing out, Mike, um, is that when Picard goes into the past, he still looks like a 50 year old Jean-Luc Picard or Patrick Stewart, right? He doesn't look like the younger actor. Um, and that is something that we might very well see as well in season two of Picard. When he goes back to the past, he'll just look like his um, normal 80 year old self kind of walking around and being, uh, being Picard. I was listening to, go ahead. I was gonna say, do you think we'll see more of Marta in Picard? She was mentioned in Picard. Uh, season one, I think Rios Rios mentions his captain, his old captain when Rios was in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And then Picard's like, oh, yeah, he served with my friend Marta, um, who was also a captain, apparently. Um, so that was this Marta. But I rem- I was going to say, I did listen to a podcast recently with um, the actor who plays Marta. And I think she was 18 at the time when they filmed this. And she was talking about how Patrick Stewart was so uncomfortable with his scenes with her because he felt that she looked so young that it would come off as creepy. Well, that's and probably was, better than him being super comfortable with like, Hey, come here, 18 year old girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but that, I, I think that also yeah. plays well into the scene itself because mm-hmm. he, he is older and he recognizes that he's older, but he's also operating within the, quote unquote body of the younger person. I mean it's the same thing that, that Scott Bakula always went through with uh with Quantum Leap. You know, it's right. like, hey, I, I gotta pretend to be the man I'm in in this body. He smashed a lot of ass, Scott Bakula. <laughs> uh, in yeah. his time. Yeah, yeah. Uh Clyde, I didn't get your hot freak for this. I'm assuming you liked it. I did. I I thought this was one of the better if not best Q episodes, right? I thought it was more measured. It seemed like it had a a a point from beginning to end. It felt cohesive. Um, my only kind of concern is not really about this episode because I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. My concern is if if we think that Picard. Oh my goodness! If we think that Picard <laughs> is going to be more of you know, this season with Q is going to be more of this, like, oh, he's going back and undoing his regrets. I got to be honest, that's going to get boring fast, right? Like, that's a whole new show. We are now watching Quantum Leap, right? Which I like would Quantum be Leap. more. I like Quantum Leap too. I don't like Quantum Leap only specific to Picard's episode, like Lifetime, right? And with Q tricking him half the time. Okay, but so, side note, somebody out there should definitely reboot Qu- Quantum Leap. I'm all for that. Yes. What if 
what if Q set up some sort of, hey, do you remember that time in Tapestry? Remember that episode of Tapestry, Picard, where I brought you back in time to to uh, get your heart stabbed a couple more times and it felt awful? <laughs> and you're like, oh, I got to relive that. Remember when those Nazicans kicked twice. your fucking ass? Yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, but like, what if it's more like, the lesson we learned there is that if you change your past, you change your future. But if we go back in time and have you next to yourself, if he takes, if, if Q says, Hey, you and your squad, including, um, um, Kim Pine and, uh, you know, the rest of the crew, we're going to take you guys as a, a, a team and jump back in time to pivotal points in Picard's life where things need to go just a tweak different and make them into so, like some sort of squad that needs to um, execute a mission each episode to kind of fix that um, in the background. Like, so they like use old episodes and then have them like sneaking around in the background in the hallways and shit. That'd be kind of dope. Hmm. Mike, you're muted or something. We can't hear you, Mike. We don't hear you. It seems like you had a good point. Yeah. Well, I mean, Grant, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think if you're talking about an ensemble quantum leap s thing, th- that could be kind of interesting. It, but it's if, kind of like uh, um, Avengers Endgame, right? When they all as a team yeah. go back into the same movies that they did uh, previously, and then they have to kind of pull off a heist. Here's the problem I'm having. The problem I'm having is it feels like we're jumping the shark in season two. Right. Like we're pulling out a whole bunch of gadgets because the show as it exists can't hold up on its own. Agreed. It couldn't. (laughs) So they should pull out all the gadgets. I'm okay with it. (laughs) I think that would be fine. Just just go for it. All all into the wackiness. I mean, I don't I don't I don't have any reason to think that they would necessarily do that or I don't know what they're planning to do with Q, but I, I do think it could be kind of fun. Can we hear you, Mike? Yes. Hello? Yes. All right. I, I should have just said that. no the whole time. Grant, I should have <laughs> just said no. Huh? Okay, so you're saying that um, Picard in season two, you want to see him not jump back into his old body like Guantanamo Leap style or, or like Wolverine in Days of Future Past style. You want to see him like working like like he's already there, but there's two Picards occupying the same space? Yeah, like I, I, yeah. Like I just said to Clyde as you jumped out, um, uh, the Avengers in Endgame when they jump yes, back yes. in time as a group. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and kind of pulling off heists like that. You know, that would be um, fun, which the first season of that show was not s- super fun. So I'd be See, all for Clyde, it. It's time to jump the shark. <laughs> oh, you, are you against that, Clyde? You're against like a quantum leap? No, no, no. I'm not, a, I'm not against it. What I said to Grant was, if we do that, then... What has happened is someone has said season one was such a disaster. This show cannot hold up on its own. We've got to start pulling out the gimmicks and the gadgets right, just right. to make a go of it. Um, and, and and that might be true. I just. I, there, my, there's, my a graceful, biggest, there's a graceful was, way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. My biggest thing is season one ended with me going, I have no idea what's next. Like, like it almost felt like it it wrapped like it was a one season short limited series and i was like okay like i you never want to end a season where you go hmm 
I'm actually kind of good. Like, I feel like the story is wrapped up and I think I'm good. I'm good. When it, when it wrapped that way, I was like, okay, cool. We got the cast together and the crew together. Now we can do new adventures and I don't know what's coming. And that's exciting. So, uh, you're wrong. I would have agreed with that (laughs) if we got some super Picard, like that would have been cool, but you, you gave him an Android body exactly the same as his current body. Yeah, except you don't have the space cancer anymore, Picard, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, think about it. One of the things that we loved about Data (laughs) was that he was uber strong. He could calculate things super fast. Like, there were some that that made it fun. Regular Picard in his, what, 70s? This is not fun. (laughs) That's not fun. Uh, 80s. 80s. See? (laughs) Um, Marge says, uh, what exactly would Picard be fixing? Which, yeah, are they, season are they... one of Picard? <laughs> oh well, my god! No, I, the I think season is all about <laughs> making the first season watchable. It's like uh, X Men. So da- it's like X Men Days of Future Past, where they <laughs> they erased X Men United or whatever it was. Well, think about it this way. I mean, he has all these regrets about, and I get it confused because we have all these the things. It's not the burn, but it was the the. What is the the planet the 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 what thing with the Romulans? The, the Locutus uh, killing a bunch of people thing. I bet that's a regret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Marg is saying, "Careful there, Clyde." I have no idea what she's talking about. Well, you be careful anyway. Just be careful. Just tread lightly, yeah. buddy. Uh, Kern says, "I assume season two of Picard will be around ten episodes. I can imagine a mini arc." Of three or four episodes where Q jumps Picard back into time. Yeah, it it that would be cool if we get like just yeah. a mini fun Q arc instead of like the entire season. But it feels like Q is pivotal to the season, or else like that teaser was very misleading. If, if I think Q John Delancey all part of it. I think that... John Delancey has said he's filmed like six episodes and he might even be filming season three episodes he's teasing. So I don't know. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of Q. Okay. I I like the fact that we've seen you are asking a visit from the temporal police. Dr. BNNC says you're asking for a visit from the temporal police. I I think that this becomes less the Picard show than it becomes more the Q show if you let this go on too much. Oh, please. I'll probably make it better. I mean, seriously, though, like what we're looking at is Picard can only go up from season one, right? I would hope so. I, I, would hope I so. don't know that I thought it was that bad. It wasn't right. that bad, but it, it wasn't great. Yeah. The, the more I reflect on it, it is one of those regrets in my life that I well, wish you could take me back and make me not watch. I, I look at it this way. Part of the issue is discovery is amazing. Right. Discovery is just absolutely some of the best stuff on television. Lower Decks is funny. Right. It's something new and fresh. Right. This because if you compare it to that and if you compare it to some of the other things, it lands a little bit with a thud because I think they're still trying to figure out what it is. But I don't know that it was that bad. I think the bar is just really high. Sure. 
Hey now, it was watchable, says Choopy. Watchable is not a glowing review, though, is it? <laughs> I Coming from Choopy, who's up. like the biggest, like one of the biggest fans I've ever met, it's watchable. <laughs> yeah, that's saying a lot. I mean, and, and yeah, and Mark just saying a number of things that I think is interesting. Like, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh-oh. I like the show, kind of without Picard in it, right? Mm-hmm. When you think about Rios and Rafi and Seven and Allison Pill and Soji, like, I kind of like the show. Like, I like the ensemble cast. And I'm a huge Patrick Stewart fan. It's just, it's, it's almost like once he decides not to be a part of the show, this show could actually be really cool. Is, is this because you're ageist? No, not at all. I think we need more people in their 70s and 80 uh, on television. I am a massive Betty White fan. And so I think she's oh, holding man. it down for a generation of people. Just it with Betty White. It'll be awesome. It would be. I mean, <laughs> it, it, actually, yes, it would. It, actually, yes, it would. Star Trek, Rose Island. <laughs> yes, give me that. Uh, all right. I think... Let's see. Uh, one more comment from Curran. I don't think they can get away with rewriting anything showing dur- shown during TNG, DS9, or Voyager, but the post-Nemesis events are new enough they might think it's safe to change. Yeah. In Picard Season 2, like someone earlier asked, what will they change uh, or what will Picard go back and change or fix? I think it's going to be stuff we haven't seen. I don't think we're going to see him popping into old episodes, you know, Forrest Gump style. There's a whole, like, what, 14, 15-year period between Nemesis and Picard Season 1 that we didn't see that this show can still play with. So we'll see some of that, most likely. You know what I want to see? I want to see Picard, where there is a universal pandemic, and they're stuck in that ship for, like, 18 months. Reflect the life that I'm living right now. That's what I want to see. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, season one is sounding a lot better. (laughs) Oh, look, Dr. B, our Dr. B and NC has uh, a really good point. TOS was based on Gene Roddenberry's optimism. Current day is dystopian. And I think Picard is happening at just the right time for Star Trek to reflect society. Yeah. And I think that that was definitely deliberate about that show. Um, yeah. Is that it? Tapestry? Tapestry? Two thumbs up. We'll give Tapestry. it two thumbs up, I guess. All right. All right. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to be back watching the TNG finale where Q comes back to fuck with Picard some more. Yes. Grant, it's a, it's a, it's a two hour long finale. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know. Well, uh, I don't know, 80 I'm minutes. To start watching it right now, then to finish. It's really... Okay, let's lower the bar. It sucks so bad. Okay. Yeah, you're not going to you. like it. Yeah, you're not going to like it. <laughs> you know I'm not going to like it either way. You're going to like it. It's really good. All right. Well, it, it's not bad. Um, guys, tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, actually, Grant, tell people how they can support the pod. You guys want to support this pod? Why don't you go ahead to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod and make your 
two dollars an episode pledge give us two bucks an episode and in exchange you can join us on our private exclusive slack channel where you can chat with other people you can join for watch alongs that are happening a few times a week and uh just a lot of great discussion a lot of uh trek positivity and i think uh that's what we need in this world so patreon.com slash star trek pod give that two dollars an episode pledge and we appreciate you supporting podcasts that you kind of like they're here i guess they like yeah it. we have they, a good time uh, in the slack yeah, like hang out like, come can join you, us Clyde, can you tell people how to follow us online yes please check out our twitter at star trek pod um and our instagram um and while we're at it give a shout out and a thank you to karen and jane worm who holds it down for our twitter and our insta yes like yes, us and subscribe YouTube, go. Yes, yes, and find us at StarTrekPod.co. Sub to our YouTube channel. We're going to be dropping a lot more videos in the coming weeks and months and days and years. Thanks for watching. Live long and prosper.